Take your Bibles, turn over with me please to the book of Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter number 15, when you find your place, we'll stand uh, out of respect for the Word of God. Aren't you thankful we have the Word of God tonight? There are still over 5,500 languages, dialects, that still do not have a copy of the Bible in their language, but I'm glad we do. And tonight we're going to look at a truth, uh, a concept that I think all of us uh, will benefit from. And uh, of course, anytime you open the Bible and read it, it benefits you. It should. It's kind of how it works. Are you in Romans 15? Verse number 22, the Apostle Paul said, For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this, and I have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Verse 32, that I may come under you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all, amen. I wanna to preach tonight on this thought, the act of refreshing others. The act of refreshing others. Paul said that I may come unto you, verse 32, with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. We're gonna look at what it means tonight to be used of God to be a refreshment to other people. Lord, help us tonight as we look in the scriptures. May we be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. I believe you would all agree with me that one of the important aspects, there are many aspects of the Christian life, but one of them, the one that we want to look at tonight, is the blessings and the positive effects that you and I as Christians can have on other people. And we find this concept repeated often throughout the scripture, not just with the word refreshed, but in many other verses. Tonight we're gonna to kind of stick with the verses that uses this word being refreshed and look at how we can do that. Uh, but the apostle Paul said like this in one place, no man lives to himself and no man dieth to himself. You and I will either be used of God to be an encouragement and a blessing and help refresh other people, or we can by our life and our testimony and our words and our actions be a discouragement and a source of discouragement. We ought to strive to want to be a blessing and a refreshment to other people. Now in our text here tonight, the Apostle Paul is he's winding down the book of Romans here and as he is indicating to them now he's more of a personal letter, more of a, a personal tone 
that as he is closing out the book, chapter 16 just has a lot of salutations and greetings from all these different people, two different people. And in chapter 15, towards the end of the book, he just starts now, as he's closing out the book, saying, I, I can't wait to come over there. I want to see you. And uh, he has been uh, blessed to take the offering that was taken up by those in Macedonia for the people in Jerusalem that were suffering, the struggling, the poor. And uh, he's taking that to them. And he says, when I get finished dropping this off, he said, I want to come by there. A couple things I noticed about the act of refreshing others that we can draw just from this one text. And I could have used a half a dozen other passages for my text tonight, but we want to notice three things by way of introduction about the act of refreshing others right here in our text. Number one, it is a desired act. It is a desired act. The apostle Paul in verse number 32 wants to be refreshed, but all the way back up in verse number 22 and 23, you can see that desire and that anticipation. He says in verse 23, but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. There was something in Paul drawing him to these people, to these saints, these people of God. And one of those things that was drawing him was the knowledge that when he got there, he would be refreshed. Can I say this to you tonight? That it don't matter who you are, don't matter how spiritual you are, don't matter who, uh, what level of spiritual uh, ranks you might be in or what level of ministry you might be in. It doesn't matter if you're just a layman on the pew or if you're an evangelist, a missionary, or you're on staff or what. If you pastor a church, we all get tired, we get discouraged, we get wore down, and we all desire to be refreshed. Amen. You may have come here tonight and you didn't maybe put it that way, but when you came in, you were desiring to be refreshed. There was just something inside of you that longed to be with God's people, longed to be with people of similar ideology and same doctrines and people with the same worldview, people that have the same beliefs and people that look at things the same way, people that can relate and understand to the struggles that you've been dealing with throughout the week. And maybe you were looking forward to coming to church tonight for a number of reasons. I'd like to think some of you were looking forward to being here because you desired being refreshed. Amen. That's one reason why we have a Wednesday night service. Could you imagine how long it'd be between services if we didn't have a Wednesday night service? If we had to, if we had to get on Sunday night and had to go all the way till the next Sunday? Well, there's a lot of churches canceling their Wednesday night services. There's a lot of people canceling. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's a crazy, it's really abnormal that at Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland, our Wednesday night crowd is bigger than our Sunday night crowd and has been consistently for years. It makes no sense to me. It drives me crazy because I wished everybody came to all three services. But when a lot of churches are closing their Wednesday night services, our services on Wednesday night have an uptick in attendance. And I can't help but believe it just might be because when folks come in here on Wednesday night, they get refreshed and God helps them make it throughout the rest of the week. Amen. Apostle Paul got discouraged, got tired. And it's uh, interesting that the first time we find the word refreshed in the King James Bible, it's in Exodus chapter 23 and in verse number 12, where God created the Sabbath for that very reason. It was a time to be physically refreshed and to rest from six days of physical manual labor. I know you don't hardly believe this, but back then, didn't nobody have a computer desk job? 
Nobody had an easy job. Can you imagine a job back, nobody had a sit down job back then. It was all manual labor. It was hard, it was physical, and it was six days. This 40 hour work week didn't come from God. Just wanted to throw that out. It came from unions, Brother Berner says. 40 hour work week ain't in the Bible. He said, six days shalt thou work. Six days shalt thou work by the sweat of your brow and then you take the seventh day and that was your day to rest. And, and, and the first time we find that word is in Exodus 23, verse number 12. Six days shalt thou do thy work and on the seventh day thou shalt rest that thine ox and thine ass may rest and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. It was a day for them to just stop working, stay home, do nothing. In fact, there were Old Testament laws for the Jews. We don't have to go by those anymore, but you couldn't go a certain distance from the house. Couldn't hardly do anything on the Sabbath day. He wanted you to just rest. He wanted your body to be refreshed. All right? That was the first time we find that word used. Now, one thing's true. When it comes to refreshment, everybody wants it and everybody needs it whether they realize it or not. And again, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how important you think you might be, and no matter how confident and strong you are as a Christian, you and I always need refreshment. There's a story in the Bible in 2 Samuel 23. You don't have to turn over there. But David, I'm talking about a mighty man, a man's man, a war, a warring man, a killing machine. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and in verse number 14 and 15, David was then in the hold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem and David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. David was tired, weary, fighting the Philistines, probably sticking out somewhere in a hold in a cave or in a, in a, in a, in a canyon somewhere. And you know what he was desiring? You know what he was longing for? Some refreshment. He just wanted some water from the well of Bethlehem. What about that? Of course, you know the story. Three of his mighty men broke through and went and got it for him and come back. Here you go, boss. That's a glass of water from the well of Bethlehem. He said, I can't drink this. You risked your life. You put your life on the line to do that. The Bible says he took that water and he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The point I'm trying to make is David was longing and desiring some refreshment from the waters of the well of Bethlehem. And I know whenever I go out of town, it don't matter if I go off somewhere preaching. Stay with me now. I can't wait to get back to Calvary. There ain't no place like this place. There's something about the, the water from the well of Calvary. Amen. A little, little bit sweeter than the, from the rest of those, all, all those other wells. I just little, did a little bit of, took a little liberty there to expand that meaning of that verse a little bit. It's a desired act. Number two, we're talking about the act of refreshing others. It is a delivering act. Refreshment helps people escape a, a current physical, spiritual, and mental state and allow them to experience some relief in those areas. I noticed in our text, Paul used the word, pray for that I might be delivered in verse number 30 and 31. Pray for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. Now, obviously he's talking specifically about a physical, literal deliverance from these that do not believe in Judea. But I cannot help but believe that there was a part of him that says, I want you to pray for me that I will be delivered from them that believe not in Judea. And if I could just get over there with y'all, spend some time with you, it helped me forget about it. 
all the troubles and all the stress and all the conflicts and all the difficulties and all the burdens and the wear and tear on the ministry. What am I saying? I'm saying that when we refresh people, we are helping deliver them many times from things that you just can't imagine what they're going through. When you walk through the doors of this, this church on, on Wednesday night, Sunday mornings and Sunday night, when you come in, we don't know what you've been dealing with. When I walk through that door and come up on this pulpit, you don't know what I've been dealing with. You can only imagine what each other deal with. But that refreshing act that you and I can have on each other will cause people to forget. It'll lighten that load and lift that burden a little bit. We all ought to desire to be used of God to do that for others. It's a delivering act that I may be delivered, verse 31, from them that do not believe in Judea, that my service which I have for Jerusalem. The point I'm making is this, make no mistake, the act of refreshing someone is a delivering act. It delivers them from being tired to being inspired. Have you ever come in here on Wednesday night dragging and went out skipping? Come on now, I know I have. It'll deliver them from a state of discouragement to a state of encouragement. They walk in saying, I can't. And walk out saying, with God's help, I can. The act of refreshing will deliver somebody from a feeling many times of being overwhelmed and hopelessness to one of hope and the one of trusting God to do something in their life. It'll deliver somebody from thinking they are worthless to thinking and knowing that they're valuable and they do matter, that they do count. Maybe it will, that act of refreshing will deliver somebody from being frustrated and confused, give them focus and give them clarity. It'll provide health and help to those that come in that are hurting. Maybe times during the week at your job or with your family situation or whatever's going on, you're just struggling and someone then begins to refresh you and it lifts that load, lifts that burden, delivers you from that spiritual or that mental state that you are in. Is everybody still with me? There's an example of this in the ministry of the Apostle Paul in Acts 28. You don't have to turn over there, but in Acts chapter number 28, verse number 15, the Bible says, And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us, whom when Paul saw, watch this, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. What about that? Now, it doesn't say that he was discouraged, but it kind of implies it a little bit. For him to take courage, you'd have to assume that maybe he was down a little bit. You see, I wonder why Apostle Paul, great preacher, great missionary, wrote half the New Testament, had all the power of God on him. I wonder why he was a little bit down. Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine why Paul would have been down a little bit. In the previous chapter, he was on the deck of a ship in chains, trying to tell them that there was a storm coming. They ought not to leave the dock. They ought not to leave the port. And they didn't listen to him. And they got out there and had to deal with Eurachlodon and turned the ship upside down every winch away. And then they'd had 14 days without the sun, 14 days without eating. And then there was a terrible shipwreck and they all got uh, thrown overboard and drifted on little pieces of ship all the way over to the island Melita. And while the apostle Paul was building a campfire, a snake, poison snake jumped out of the fire, beat him on the hand, and everybody thought he was a murderer, started telling him he was a murderer, and that's what he deserved, and then when he didn't die, they all changed their tune, thought he was a god, and started worshiping him. Next thing you know, he's being called into some guy's house, man's dying of a bloody flux, and he was there for uh, several months, healing people and touching people, then he had to get on another ship. I don't know why he was discouraged. 
<laughs> he said, the Bible says when he saw the brethren, he thanked God and took courage. He was refreshed. It helped him, delivered him, lightened the load. Not only that, but we see thirdly that the act of refreshing is a delightful act. Notice Paul's language when he's talking about the prospect meeting up with these saints. I'm, I'm very delightful, great desire, verse 23. I've great desire these many years to come unto you. It goes on down, verse number 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. He got excited just thinking about it. Filled him with joy, filled him with delight. What am I saying? I'm saying these people, these saints of God that the Apostle Paul was excited to meet up with in Romans chapter number 15, their effect on him, their, their refreshing him, their ministering to him brought great delight into his life. That word refreshed in our text, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to take mutual rest and mutual refreshment by mutual interaction. That means it was, it was refreshing both of them at the same time. You know, whenever you take it upon yourself to try to refresh and bless other people, God will invariably use that opportunity to refresh you and to bless you, to help you. I've said it many times, if you want to get encouraged, just go be an encouragement. Hey Amen. You're all, you're all concerned and consumed with your own problems and issues and, and, and all that's going on in your life. Won't you put your life on hold for a few minutes and find somebody to love on and be a blessing to and see if God don't lighten your load just by being a blessing and a refreshment. That word refresh in Exodus 23, 12, the verse I just quoted, uh, that word refresh in the Hebrew literally means, you can look it up, it means a breath. That word refresh that they may be refreshed. It means a breath. So when you and I, Brother Berner, when we participate in the act of refreshing someone, we are literally a breath of fresh air to them. That is literally what it means. And we've heard that phrase, well, that was a breath of fresh air. That's a Bible word. It's the word refresh in the Hebrew. Refresh. Have you ever met somebody and it was just a breath of fresh air? I mean, you walked away going, man, that was great. That was wonderful. I'm glad I got to meet them. I'm glad I got to know them. Many times we have missionaries drop in here, and they'll present their work. We stand around after the service and chat with them. I walk back there by their missions table, and just in the few minutes that we interact with them, it's a breath of fresh air. And then I'm blessed, Brother Bittner, to be able to sometimes load them up and take them to the restaurant and feed them, feed their family and love on them a little bit and, 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 and spoil them and sit there and get to spend some time with them only to find out that they say to me, being at your church tonight for our family was a breath of fresh air. I said, well, you was a breath of fresh air to us and our church was a breath of fresh air to them. That's kind of how it works. Amen. But what I wanted to get into tonight was this. It has a healing effect on the inside of a person. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Now, we don't talk like this in 2022. If you were to say this to somebody, it'd look at you kind of funny. But here's how Paul said it. All right, stay with me. I'm talking about what it does on the inside when somebody refreshes you. Paul said it like this in Philemon chapter 1, verse number 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. The bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. Now, you know why I said, you know, if you walk up to me after the service and say, Preacher, that message refreshed my bowels. 
I am not going to take that very well. I'm not going to think great, warm, fuzzy, positive things, all right? But the Paul said, what you're, the way you refreshed us, it refreshed, it, it did something on the inside. That's how he described it. Are y'all still with me? It's hard to explain. It's hard to put into words the effect that somebody that has refreshed you, what it has on you. Well, quickly, let me give you three ways that you and I can be involved in refreshing other people because we're not talking tonight about the physical refreshing of hospitality and all these things could apply, obviously. I thought, man, you could probably preach a series on this. Hospitality, I love hospitality. I love, I love waiting on people, missionaries and evangelists come through. Many times people come to our church and our family, we'll invite them over to our house. My wife loves to cook. We just, we love to roll out the red carpet and love on people. I love to call up the Hampton Inn and reserve them a room. If they got a bunch of kids, we'll get them two rooms. I'm not talking about that tonight. All right? That's another whole message, the hospitality aspect of refreshing. I'm going to talk about what you and I could do to be involved in the act of refreshing other people and not even realize it sometimes. Number one, write this down. We can be involved in the act of refreshing others by having a fervent sincerity. Fervent sincerity. Now I want to show you something, all right? I want to show you something. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You've got your Bible open. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 7. We're just going to look at a couple of verses tonight that uses this word and see if we can maybe glean something from it. You say, preacher, I, I'm not a preacher. I can't preach. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I can't stand in front of a class and teach. I don't have a singing voice. I can't sing in a choir. I can't sing in a trio or sing a solo. I can't, I can't play an instrument. I can't do this. And I can't do that. Can I tell you something? What I'm preaching about tonight is something every single person in this church can do. You can be involved in refreshing other people. Amen. Y'all believe that, don't you? Now, I, I, I know I'm tired. Now, y'all look tired, but I'm the one preaching. If you'll help me, we'll get done with this, all right? If y'all sit there and go to sleep, I'm just going to close this thing and preach it later because I'm out. If you had any idea what I've been doing today and dealing with, it's a miracle I'm even in church. But I'm trying to refresh somebody. And you would refresh me if you would just listen. Thank you, Brother Bill. I'm glad you woke up there, buddy. Here we go. It's a fervent sincerity will cause the people of God to be refreshed. One of the greatest ways, listen to me, that you and I can refresh God's people is just by being real in our walk with God. Being real. You say, well, I, I don't... I don't think that's that big of a deal. I'm going to show you how big of a deal it is. And it's right here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. Are you there? Apostle Paul's writing, and here's what he said to the church at Corinth. I'm glad he says, I, I made you sorry with a letter, verse number 8. He said, uh, verse number 9, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you rejoiced to a sorrow to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner. He said in verse number 10, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Verse number 11, Behold the self, same thing, watch this, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. That carefulness is a heart searching, a, a, a looking inwardly and, and just being analytical in your spiritual walk with God and the things in your life. What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. It's okay to get mad as long as it's getting mad at the right things. It's all right to get, get your blood pressure up 
if it's at yourself and your sin, come on now. What indignation. They was upset with themselves. They weren't upset with Paul. And, and yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge in all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Well, that's another whole message. Verse number 12, right there's a powerful message. We ain't got time to preach that one. Therefore, you were comforted in your comfort, yea, watch this, and exceeding the more joyed we for the joy of Titus because his spirit was refreshed by you all, watch this, for if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. But as we spake all things to you in truth, even so our boasting which I made before Titus is found uh, a truth. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. I rejoice therefore that I have confidence in you in all things. Let me summarize what I just said. Paul said it like this right here. Paul said, I have been bragging on you. I have been boasting on you and telling Titus how great y'all are. And when Titus got down there and he saw you and you received him, I am not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed because he found you to be exactly what I had been bragging on you to be. There was a sincerity, there was a genuine realness, there was a fervency, there was a zeal, there was the fear of God that was in you. And when he saw it, he was refreshed because he had kind of already in his mind built up what he was gonna see when he got there because Paul had been talking about it, Paul had been boasting, Paul had been bragging, and he got there and sure enough, you were just exactly as sincere as Paul said you were. And he was refreshed by that. Can I tell you what will refresh God's people as much as anything? Just be real. Yeah. Amen. Be on fire for God. And not have this portrayal that you're this. And then people get to know you, you're down here like this. Boy, that's a letdown, ain't it? You think somebody's super spiritual, which nobody's super spiritual. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out, all right? There are no super duper spiritual walking on water, turning water into wine, saints. It's just men and women with a stinking, rotten, dirty flesh trying their best to walk in the spirit every day. Can I get a witness? I've met some godly people in my day, but every single one of them had to wear deodorant and they had to get a shower every night. Yeah. But you know what's a refreshment? Is when people are real and their walk with God is real, and then sincere, and they're fervent, and it's not just some fake, phony, baloney, but when you get to know them, you find out these people love God. And Titus, when he found out that they were exactly what Paul, and Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm glad they didn't embarrass me. We'd say it like this, they didn't make a fool out of me, because I really talked you up to Titus, and he got over there, and he was refreshed. Bible says they received him with fear and trembling. Imagine that. Imagine how he must have felt walking in there to hear, here's a group of people that could take some pretty strong rebuke. The Apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthians about as hard as he rebuked anybody. I mean, the Apostle Paul, if he talked to Christians today like he talked to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, a lot of them would get out of church and become one of them recovering fundamentalists. 
You know I'm telling the truth. I can't believe he calls himself a man of God and he talked to me that way. Well, believe it. Paul said in one place, you better be glad all I'm doing is writing because if I come over there, it's going to get real harsh. That's what he said. Don't make, we say it like this when we're going down the road and our kids are fighting in the back seat, acting crazy. Don't make me pull his car over. Don't make me come back there. Yeah. And they took that rebuke and God used that letter and they got right with God and they repented and they, 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 they cleared themselves and Paul was excited about what they did and how they responded and Titus was refreshed. I believe I'm reading that right. He was refreshed, the Bible says. His spirit was refreshed by you all because when he got there, he found out that they were exactly what Paul had said they were supposed to be. All I'm saying tonight is having a real, a real testimony of fervency. You might not even realize it. It will refresh other people because there's so many fakes and phonies in the church. How many times have you heard somebody say, man, Christians are all a bunch of fakes, all a bunch of phonies. And when you find one that's not, it's refreshing. <laughs> it's honest. It's humble. Fears God. Wants to do right. Wants to live right. We got a lot of, we got a lot of flim flamming. And preachers are the worst. They get up and preach and they get done preaching. You think they're next in line for the Godhead. It's, a, it's sickening. And I hate it when I hear preachers do that because I am a preacher. And there ain't no difference in me and you. None. But you can be real. And when you meet somebody that's real, it's refreshing. I got two more points. Let me see if I can get you these other two right quick. Turn over to Philemon. Philemon. That's right over before the book of Hebrews. First and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, Philemon. One, one little chapter here, Apostle Paul's writing to a man named Philemon. Here's what he said. By the way, Paul's letter to Philemon was a plea. It was a, it was a personal plea. Apostle Paul was begging this man for mercy and forgiveness on a runaway slave named Onesimus. Philemon legally had every right in the world to come get him, punish him for running away. But he'd been saved under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. He'd been born again. He was Paul's son in the faith, verse number 10. I beseech thee from my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. It sounds like Paul led him to the Lord. Paul says, Philemon, I want you to do something for me. I want you to let it go. In fact, Paul said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, if he, if he hath wronged you, verse number 18, if he hath wronged you or oweth thee any ought, put that on my account. Philemon, if it really means that much to you, just send me a bill and I'll pay it. But here's what I want you to do. Stay with me now. Verse number, verse number 7. No, not, not verse number 7. I want to get into verse number 19. I, Paul, have written with my own uh, hand I will repay it, howbeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self. Besides, I love how Paul did that. That verse right there reminds me so much of Brother Sammy Allen. It's unbelievable. Here's what he said. He said, you, whatever Onesimus owes you, you send me the bill and I'll pay it. But while we're talking about it, you owe me. <laughs> but you just go ahead and send me that bill. Send me the bill, I'll pay it, praise God. Hey, look up in here. Send me the bill. 
I'll pay it. But look at what he said. Look at what he says. Verse number 20. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Write this down, number two. The act of refreshing others is when we have a forgiving spirit. He said, this is, this is what's awesome. This Bible is so awesome to me. He has already acknowledged in verse number 7 that Philemon had refreshed him. Look at it. Is that what your Bible says? We have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. You are such a blessing, brother Philemon. A little bit further down in the letter. Uh, Philemon, let me tell you how you could refresh my bowels a little bit more. Just forgive him. Forgive him. I will think so much more highly of you. And it would make my day if you would not exercise your legal prerogatives and just let it go. Just forget about it. He's gotten saved now. Don't hold a grudge. Don't keep score. Don't let this thing grow into something big and ugly and painful. He, he's your brother in the Lord now. And I know you probably went to a slave auction somewhere and you probably paid good money for him. And I know he probably hadn't worked off his, off his agreement and whatever. I know that. I know he ran away. I know he's cost you money. I know he's been a pain in the neck, but he got saved. And I just, it would just be the biggest blessing. Philemon, it would refresh me so much if you would just, just forgive him. Just forgive him. Don't worry about it. How refreshing is it when you and I have a spirit of forgiveness? And I thought about it like this. Not just towards the person we're forgiven, but just from the people standing by that's watching it. That when they see the strife and they see the contention and they see the, the ugh, their stomach knots up and they go, oh man, I don't want this to happen. I don't want to see this relationship. I don't want to see these two people fall out. I don't want to deal with this in the church. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to see this. And then they look up and they see everybody just shaking hands and hugging necks and saying, I love you. I forgive you. It's okay. Boy, what a, what a refreshing spirit that brings on the body of Christ. Yeah. By the way, we all ought to be that way. Yeah. Right. Hold grudges. Give each other 70 times 7. 70 times 7 is what Jesus said. That's for the same thing in the same day. I wouldn't keep count if I was you. That's just a hypothetical number he threw out. Basically means indefinitely. Just forgive. Well, this is two more times and then I can hold a grudge. Forget that. No. No. It's refreshing when people just say, oh, don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. It's all right. I love you. Would you Load the kids up. Y'all just come over for some coffee. Let's, let's just sit around fellowship a little bit. Two people that was at each other's throat yesterday now breaking bread together and fellowshipping. That's refreshing. Paul said, Paul said, Philemon, I know you got it in you. Verse number seven, you've already done it before. Let's, let's take it up a notch. Would you do this for me? Would you refresh me? How, ble how, how wonderful it is, how pleasant it is, the Bible says, for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Oh, yeah, I love verse 21 too. Paul used a little psychology. Oh, I, I'm writing this letter to you. You send me a bill. If he owes you anything, you just put that on my account. Oh, by the way, you owe me. You owe me big time, all right? Not that we're keeping tabs, but 
You just send me the, you send me the bill. If he owes you anything, I'll pay for it. Just forgive him. And he says, I know, look at verse 21, I know that me writing you this letter, I know you're not just going to do what I'm asking you. I know you're going to go above and beyond. <laughs> Is that what he says? Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. I don't know exactly what Philemon did when he got that letter. I'd like, I'd like to think, Brother Leader, I'd like to think that he went from thinking, if I ever get my hands on this guy, I'm going to wring his neck, going off and leaving me, having to do all these chores and milk these cows myself, and whatever he did. I said, if I can get my hands on him, I'm going to kill him. He gets a letter from Paul. Onesimus shows up. Um, Onesimus, I got this letter from Paul, and you've been working for me for a year and a half, and I figured that up at minimum wage. I owe you <laughs> X amount of dollars for all the work you've done for me. I don't know. Maybe not. I'll, that's how I think sometimes. That went over like a lead balloon. I know you're going to do more than I say. Well, what more could you do than forgive somebody? I don't know, build them a house? Let them sit at your table? Like David did Mephibosheth? I don't know. I know this, Apostle Paul, he got to him with that, I, 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 you can refresh me if you do this. Now, who, who in their right mind would want to refresh the Apostle Paul? Huh? Come on now. Let me give you one more. Write this down, number three. Act of refreshing others is having a life of faithful service. A Christian that is dependable and reliable and faithful and consistent and always at their post is a source of great refreshment. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. So he said an unfaithful person is a source of pain and frustration. But in the very same chapter in Proverbs 25 verse 13, he says this, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Just somebody you can depend on is refreshing. Just somebody, you give them a simple task, you give them a job, and they don't make excuses, and they say, I can't, and they just forget about it, but they do exactly what they're supposed to do. That's a great refreshment. I can't help but think how refreshing we can just all be to each other just by being in our place each and every time the doors are open. If you're involved in a ministry and God's given you an opportunity to serve the Lord, take that ministry serious and just always be at your post and always be faithful. Thinking about this Old Testament example, how faithful service can be refreshing. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon King Saul that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. David was just a lowly shepherd boy, but because he could be faithful in his service, Faithful in his ministry, he had the opportunity to refresh the king of Israel. And don't think this was a one-time thing. This was as it was needed. As I studied this out, I read these verses earlier today. This wasn't a one-time event. David was on standby. And whenever the, uh, Saul would have this evil spirit, they could call David. He would come and he would play his harp. And that evil spirit would leave him and Saul would be refreshed. This happened often. 
And Saul, Saul was refreshed because David was faithful to always be ready at a moment's notice to do what little bit he could to make a difference. Don't underestimate your role in the church, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. Apostle Paul was greatly refreshed and often refreshed by a man by the name of Onesiphorus. In 2 Timothy chapter number 1, Paul testified as he's writing to Timothy about Onesiphorus' faithfulness and his diligence. And here's what he said. The Lord give mercy. I'm in 2 Timothy 1.16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus for he oft refreshed me. This wasn't a one-time thing. This was over and over and over. He oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was at Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Watch this. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day and how in many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus thou knowest very well. Onesiphorus refreshed Paul by being faithful in his ministry and faithful in his service. Just being faithful is refreshing. Another example lastly of the refreshing qualities of people that are just faithful servants. How refreshing that can be. I'm talking not about something everybody in this church, Brother Burner, can do. You don't have to have an office. You don't have to have a desk. You don't have to have a position. You don't have to have this and that. Everybody in here can do these three things. Everybody in here can be involved in this. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16. I want you to turn over there right quick. We're almost done. They're lining, they're coming in from discipleship. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and in verse number 15, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. It's okay to be an addict. We need a church full of addicts. Addicted to the ministry of the saints that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye such them that are such. I want you to know, Paul said, these three people have such a testimony of faithful ministry and service that they have refreshed me. Refreshing to a man of God to have people that will just be faithful. This coming Sunday is Pastor Appreciation Day, I guess. That's what it keeps saying, Pastor Appreciation Day. Can I tell you the best way you can show appreciation to the pastor? This is deep now. You're going to want to get a pad and a pen and write this down. This is the best way you can show the man of God that you appreciate him. You ready? Be here. Just be here. Just be in your place. Just be in your place. It's a whole lot more fun to preach to people than it is to pews. It's a whole lot more fun when you spend all day praying and studying and digging in the scriptures to get a message to have somebody to preach it to. Can you ladies imagine what it would be like to be in the kitchen all day cooking, have four, five, six things you've been cooking and set the table nobody show up to eat? Now that stink, wouldn't it? Well, I've done that a time or two myself. Not in the kitchen, but up here. Preacher, I appreciate you. Well, you left me hanging. You left your whole church family hanging. God came down and met with us. The God of heaven 
came and met with us and you had something more important to do. God gave you a ministry. God gave you an opportunity to serve. God gave you an open door. You say, well, my position is not that important. Yes, it is. Everybody's position is important. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're the one preaching junior church, whether you're the one preaching in here, or you're the one standing at the back door greeting people when they come in, everybody's job is important. Being faithful is refreshing to the people of God, and that is something everybody in this church could be, is be involved in the acts of refreshing others by these, and there's way more. I just, that's all I got time for tonight. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if maybe somebody would like to slip out of their pew. Maybe get in the altar. Maybe just ask God to help underline in your heart. There is something you can do. There's something the children can do, the teenagers can do. There's something that every person here can do. And that is be a blessing and an encouragement and a refreshment to other people. It doesn't require a lot of skill, a lot of talent. You don't have to have any money to do any of the things that I just preached about. You don't have to have a certain age or a certain marital status, certain kind of job, kind of income. It doesn't matter who you are. You say, I can't take the missionaries out to eat. I can't afford to take everybody out to eat. That's fine. Don't worry about that. We got that covered. I can't give a lot of money. That's fine. Can you be a refreshment to others? Sure you can.